When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by the Women's Philanthropy at Indiana University. And that's a wrap. Welcome to Theodora Speaks, best of season two. What a magnificent season it was. And thank you for tuning in. Season two was a special one that was full of empowerment and encouragement from so many talented, intelligent, fearless, driven, and beautiful women. Today's best of season two episode highlights some of my most favorite moments with my guests. As I wrap season two, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletters and stay in the know, such as inviting you to pre-order my book, Full Steam Ahead. Triumphant Tales for Working Women to Overcome Fear, Adversity, and Self-Doubt that's going to be released to the public this fall. Visit gailkeller.org for more information. If you recall, Season 2 was about career reinvention. And if you missed my Season 2, this episode is a great recap of all the magnificent women that I interviewed about career reinvention and that reinvention has no age limitations. And I want to start out with Joan Buffalino by giving her a special shout out for creating my season two infographics to accompany as a visual as we listened along. So Joan, thank you so much for sharing your talent and time with myself and our audience. So let's go back to when Joan Buffalino encouraged us to create mind maps to map out our goals in a clear way to follow. You tried and you did a, the one job and it wasn't working out, right? Owning your own business to the, was it, it was working, but not to your expectations. The door closes and it was the perfect fit at the right time for your life. Right, right. But again, it goes and reinforces that philosophy that we've talked about, which is you, you, you gotta be out there. You gotta, you have to say, you know, I'm gonna strive for better. I'm gonna strive for improving me. You know, and that's where I think it's so great that, you know, in, in our lifetime now, we can do many things. We don't have to be fit into this one example of, you know, you're a nurse and you've got to work in the hospital and you got to work, you know, nights and weekends and all that kind of stuff. Th- those days are gone. We, we don't have to do that anymore. We can change things. We can make it to our advantage to feel good about, you know, again, it's, it's feeling good about yourself. Mm-hmm. and feeling good about when, when you deal with people that they feel feel good about being in your presence. They like how you make them feel. And that, that was kind of what I was striving for through all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let people know that you want to make them feel good, that you have the skill set, you're willing to be flexible, you're willing to be spirited, you're willing to maybe get knocked on the head a couple times, but mm-hmm. that's all right. Just give it a whirl. And if it doesn't work, try, try again. You need to take time and you need to be patient and you do it. You have to do it little by little 
by little. And I think nowadays the whole thing is, you know, well, you know, go to a coach and she, she or he will change you and your whole life and whatever. But it's really that, you know, working with you and helping you take step by step of what you can do. Brainstorm with yourself, brainstorm with other people, mind map. I mean, I don't know how many mind maps I had done in my career saying, you know, you can do this and you can do this and you can do this and you can do this. And, and finally, it kind of helped me say, well, you know, maybe you can take all those things and maybe become the one thing in the middle that, that will satisfy you and will satisfy anybody else. And, um, you know, there's so many techniques available now. I think um, in particularly in business, people tell you, you know, don't overstep what you are. I mean, don't don't go for the big shot. Just go for the things that you can accomplish. But on the other hand, if you don't go for those things that you might be able to try, then you're not going to see if you really could do it. Next up is a fearless leader who left Wall Street after Michael J. Fox cornered her in an elevator and offered her a job to become the co-founder of the Michael J. Fox Foundation, which raises money and awareness for a cure for Parkinson's disease. I love it. So you use the word intimidating, right? Making this shift from Wall Street, I'm going to say Main Street because you're getting into the hearts and minds of everyday people, right? You said intimidating. So Michael J. Fox cornered you in the elevator after your interview, did he not? Yeah. Yes. So, well, so I, I have this interview and of course it's hard to put ourselves in this, um, in this place, but this is like before Google. So you couldn't just go online and get prepared for an interview by looking up the organization. It didn't really exist. I mean, I knew who he was. I didn't know that much about Parkinson's, you know, you couldn't really prepare. So it was such an unusual, it was more of a conversation. Um, but he had a little group, with him, a little search committee, and they'd been looking for someone for a while um, unsuccessfully. So they kind of knew more that, of what they needed and wanted than I could appreciate walking in cold. But in the course of the discussion, I could feel how much I really was inspired by what I was hearing from him and them about what their hopes, you know, as they had been crafting a little bit more of their vision and how it really could be a good fit for me. Um, I finished the interview and I walked down the hall and I just, I like, I had that moment where you just like, ah, you know, you're done. And I realized, wow, I'm sweating. And like, I really, I, I really do. This is of interest to me. And I totally had the conversation that you have with yourself when you're walking to the elevator that says, well, you know, I'm really not, I'm surely not qualified. They're going to find, they surely have better candidates than me, but I left it all on the table. If I'm the kind of person they're looking for, they're get, they know who I am. I, that, that was, that did come out in the discussion and I'm standing there at the elevator and he like walks down the hall and he nudges me and goes, Hey, can we, can we talk some more? Do you mind if I join you in the elevator? I'm like, Oh geez, this is not <laughs> over yet. And then we just had the conversation continued. We walked out front in the building where we were, you know, we were at, uh, at, Bear, at the old Bear Stearns building on Park Avenue. We walked out front. We're just standing out front and we talked for another half hour. And, and that was really more about what's possible and who he feels accountable to in the Parkinson's community, donors in general, and how he thinks about, you know, the promise that you're making when you're starting something like this. And he and I just saw it all the same way. And, you know, at the end, he kind of looks at me and he goes, I gotta go, I'm supposed to interview somebody else and I'm really late. He goes, but 
this is it. You and I, I think this is it. And I'm like, I agree. I think this is it. And he goes, I'm going to call you later. If I call you, will you take the job? I said, if you call me, I'm taking the job, you know? So it's just really, it was so exciting from the first moment. And, and that connection about the intention. Debbie, I just got goosebumps from that story. It, that's amazing. So when you know when it's the right person for the job, that's it, right? Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, that kind of kismet is, you know, I'm not sure you can count on it. It, it. I don't, I can't imagine ever getting that again, except for maybe when I was introduced to my husband on a blind date, you know, it's just, it's, but when I think about making big changes and, you know, you talked about, you know, this, this, um, you know, the, how you're thinking about these important shifts and career reinvention, you know, I really, I, I didn't have the training because you couldn't get trained for this kind of job per se. Um, people don't do startup nonprofits very often. And if they do, they never scale. So they're just kind of out of the public domain. And, and I had, I had developed enough wisdom to realize in the, in the work I'd done briefly at, at Harvard and Mass General that, um, a lot of nonprofits do good work. They just can't scale beyond, you know, a 10 block radius and a couple million dollars worth of budget. I didn't have to be a genius to realize, oh, Michael Fox, that has a chance of scaling. And so it just, it, but to see the right things come together is, is helpful. But I'd already made the decision to leave one job. And I do think it's hard to me, the reinvention they're kind of gradations of comfort. One is that you know what you're leaving and why, and you know where you want to go and why, and you can see both sides of the trade um, when you're making your decision. And that might take place when you leave a longstanding position and go to a new organization. And maybe they're a lot alike, and it's really now you're just taking, you, you know, you're, you're, you're just trading up a little bit. But this was a pretty big shift going from an established Wall Street firm for profit into and a place like Goldman, you know, into um, something like a startup nonprofit. But they had similarities, you know. I mean, the brands, when you put those two brands next to each other, it's hard to do that. But you, I had learned importantly the value and the value to me in doing my work of being part of something I could be proud of and that I thought was top notch and offered um, sustained excellence in terms of how they worked with their uh, stakeholders. And you know that's something I still see in Goldman, I, that was at Goldman Sachs long before I was ever there. And generally, although these, these industries are, are under different kinds of pressure over time, but it still is, a, it, it has that. And Michael, meeting him and hearing those values and understanding what he's looking for, I knew instantly. He does too. And those are things that are important to me. Career mentors and sponsors, yes please. Carla Harris, author and a woman on Wall Street for over 30 years, talks about how paying it forward and her pearls of wisdom can help us where there are two types of currency sponsors in your career that you need to look out for and have for yourself, performance and relationship. And listen how she describes why you need both and the difference between them. You are someone that, you know, authentically pays it forward. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, why is that so important to you? You know, because none of us makes it on our own, Gail, at the end of the day. And, you know, there were people who were 
consciously there for me. There were people who were, you know, unconsciously there. When I say unconsciously there, they, they didn't start off saying, I'm definitely going to support Carla Harris. But in the moment at that time, you know, they did. And none of us should have to go through tough times if there's somebody there who can give us a bit of a playbook. And so my thought is, why not? Why not help somebody else accelerate their success? We're all gonna hit a wall at some point, but boy, I sure want you to be much further down the road when you hit your wall than when I hit mine. Because if we're all hitting the wall at the same time, it's gonna take us all a very long time to get to wherever we're going. Why not help somebody accelerate that? And I try my best to encourage people um, in telling them this truth, that you get more power when you give it away. And the more you're giving away your power and empowering other people, by definition, the more powerful you become. So even if you don't do it because it's the right thing, you want to do it because it's a selfish thing. Well, there, right there is your selfish reason to do it. So speaking of all the wisdom, you wrote a book, Strategize to Win, and it is chock full of nuggets. I love to get the book, write in it. I've dog-eared amazing things. And we could talk about this all day, right? I have to commend you on the pearls, Carla's pearls. I Thank love you. the wisdom takeaways. Thank you. Thank you very much. And the most important one out of that book was, in my opinion, was the performance currency and the relationship currency. Um, because, you know, as women and certainly people of color, we are taught to focus on the deliverable. Make sure your work is right. It's beyond reproach. You know, nobody can debate how good your work is. It's black and it's white. But the, the fact of the matter is, Gail, as you get more senior in any organization, it is not black and white. It is gray. And the relationships are all in the gray. And it doesn't matter how good your work is when you're in those senior roles or you're trying to break through into the top ranks. Somebody has to be in that room speaking on your behalf. And if you have not invested in those relationships, people don't know you well enough to spend their currency. And you're not in that room when those decisions are being made. Somebody has to spend that currency and that's the sponsor. And I've seen so many women get there, so many people of color get there and they can't push through because they haven't invested in those relationships. Mm -hmm. I can't agree more. And I, I coach women on empowering themselves to reinvent their professional lives. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my thirties, Carla, that I understood what a sponsor was. Ah, mm -hmm. I always had mentors, but I didn't have sponsors until my thirties. And I wished I would have known that out of the gate. Yes. Yes. Well, I've been talking about it since 1990. That's the first time that I coined the word sponsor. At that point, Gail, I was a third year associate. And people were talking about champions and advocates. It was 1990, but nobody was using the word sponsor. But by then I had realized that that's what that person was because popular business press had been talking about mentors, 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 but they had not talked about this concept of somebody being behind closed doors using their currency on your behalf. And by then I had figured out that that's how it happened. It didn't matter how good the work was. If somebody wasn't putting that work in context among decision makers, it didn't matter, right? And so you needed to invest in that relationship and that was much bigger than the mentor. And the other thing is that back then, popular business press was talking about a mentor, but they didn't tell you the difference between the mentor and the sponsor. And in my mind, the mentor is the person you tell the good, the bad, and the ugly to. So you must know them. They must know you very well. You must trust them. And they must understand your context in order to give you advice that you can successfully execute. 
but the sponsor doesn't know. You don't want them thinking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. You want them focused on the good, the good, and the good, because you don't want them polluted with the bad and the ugly if they have to spend your capital, their capital on you behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it wasn't until my thirties that my career really took off because of those sponsors. And so I, I love what you're saying about spending the currency and they see the good and then they internally promote you and vouch for you, right? It's their reputation on the line. You got that right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's why it's so important to have a personal brand that is strong. Mm. I don't normally use the word brand to be honest, Gail, um, because for me, that word connotes something that you create. And I'm a big proponent of authenticity. I And I say it every time I have an opportunity to speak in front of a group of people, your authenticity is your distinct competitive advantage. Nobody can be you the way that you can be you. So that is your edge. And you want your authenticity to be consistent with what's ever valued in that culture. And so you should know what are the key success factors? What are the three adjectives that characterize a superstar in the seat that you are choosing to sit in? And then you note those things that are authentic about your yourself and where those things overlap. That's the behavior that you want to be consistent in that, in that environment. That's what you want people to say about you when you are not in the room. Well, Carla, I may have to embrace that authenticity and rebrand my personal branding. (laughs) Okay. All righty. I love it. I love it. So tell our listeners how they could get a sponsor. Mm -hmm. Okay. The way you get a sponsor is as follows. Number one, study your environment for two weeks and you want to note the following. Who are the people that have a seat at the decision-making table? Number two, Who are the people that do not have a seat at the decision-making table, but they are key influencers to those people who have a seat at that table? And number three, who are the toxic people? Because you want to know that as well, because those relationships are key in in understanding how you manage those. Now, once you have figured out who has a seat at the table, now you want to ask yourself, who of those people who have a seat at the table are those key influencers? Who has visibility into my work? because your sponsor, remember, has to pound the table on your behalf behind closed doors, which means they must have some visibility into your work. If everybody knows I don't work with Gail and I go into the room and I'm pounding the table for Gail, I'll have no credibility in that room because everybody knows I don't work with her, right? So they must have some visibility into your work. You don't have to report to them, but they must have some kind of visibility into your work. And then lastly, now you ask yourself, of the people who have a seat at the table and that have visibility into my work, who can I spend some time investing in? Let me get two people off that list and start spending more time building a relationship. And the way that you build a relationship with anybody is just frequency of touch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the authenticity. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. So talking about going back to the book, positioning yourself for success, there's a chapter on that, Carla, Mm -hmm. and you recommend to people to not just take a job simply to get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. I'm a big fan of knowing exactly why you are doing what you are doing. And the reason why that's so important, Gail, is that sometimes when people take a job just to quote, get their foot in the door, they haven't thought about how do people move within that organization? So I'll take investment banking, for example. Somebody takes a job, let's say, um, in, in operations. 
which is a very important job in any financial services company. But then they say, I'm just going to take this job in operations because I really want to get to M&A and I'll work my way into M&A. But there, if there is no precedence within that organization for somebody moving from operations to M&A, it is highly unlikely that you will get that opportunity in M&A because there's no precedence for that. So it doesn't matter how smart you are unless something inordinate or extraordinary happens, that connection is not going to happen because that's not how people move within the organization. So you want to be intentional about how you enter any organization and you want to understand while you're interviewing, how do people move within that organization so you can have, you can be clear about what might transpire for you when you go there. The other reason you want to be careful about why you take a job is not for this job, honey, it's for the next one, right? Because now somebody's going to look at your resume and they're going to say, so why did you take that job in blah, blah? And it's never a good answer to say, I just needed a job. That's not going to bode well. Career reinvention and parenting? Can I even say those in the same sentence? Well, the answer is yes. Listen, for when Esther Wojcicki, author of How to Raise Successful People, she's also the co-founder of the Trap App, a teacher, and known as the godmother of Silicon Valley, talks about her trick method and why it's both beneficial not only for raising successful children, but how we can instill the trick method in our careers. And if you're wondering, hmm, Esther, what advice? Can we really raise successful people? The answer is yes, if you ask her three successful daughters. One is a doctor of pediatrics in San Francisco. The other is the CEO of YouTube. And the third daughter is the co-founder of 23andMe. If we switched gears and went back to your trick method, Esther, the last question I have for you, what advice would you give to our listeners to make trick more of a priority in their work life integration? Such a great question. Well, um, I'm working uh, with another author and we're possibly writing another book that's going to talk about that exact thing because trick needs to be part of your work life, your work life environment. And companies need to treat their employees with trick. And we have now the great resignation. And why is everybody leaving? Because they realize actually that they can work from home on something they care about, be trusted and respected, and then not have to deal with all that other stuff. So can we have employers treat people like people, you know, you have all kinds of issues. I mean, some of the employers here in Silicon Valley are doing that. I mean, it shouldn't just be Silicon Valley, it should be everywhere. You know, you are not buying somebody's soul for eight hours. You know, these are people and they have feelings and we need to take care of them. And we need, if they make a mistake, well, so they made a mistake. And so they need to go and rectify it and next time but you shouldn't there shouldn't be grudges there shouldn't be other issues we need to teach treat people much much better this acronym in my book 
and that also I was using in my classes called TRIC. And it's, um, it stands for trust, respect, independence, collaboration, and kindness. And, you know, it took me a while to figure out what I was doing with my children, what I was doing in my classes, why so many kids always wanted to sign up for the class. Um, I mean, I had to ask them, like, why are you signing up for this class? Why are you, why do you want to learn how to write and be in a journalism program? I mean, you could just be taking ceramics, right? Or art or something that is just easier. And the main thing that they said to me is because you trust us. And I, I, when they said that, I didn't believe it. I just like, it didn't seem real. I was like, doesn't everyone trust you? But you know, you tend to do things and then you don't realize that you're doing it yourself and other people aren't. You extrapolate from your experience and assume everybody's doing it. Well, it turns out they weren't. And um, so then I realized trust and respect were the really most important because I gave them a lot of independence. I collaborated with them and I always treated them with kindness. And you can't do that if you don't first trust and respect them. And so that's what I did. And I'd be remiss not to bring up, you mentioned the three daughters, but they're very successful. And I think successful is an understatement when you have a daughter that's the professor of pediatrics at the University of California, San Francisco, the uh, co-founder of 23andMe, and then the CEO of YouTube. <laughs> yes, they, they are really successful. They, they went much farther than I ever ex- thought they would, you know, because I was just, I just wanted them to have a good job, you know, nice families. And um, it never occurred to me that they were going to rise to be industry leaders. But needless to say, I'm very proud of them. And all the time, you know, they're doing a really good job. And it's, it's not an easy world now. And they're still navigating that world in a way that is very admirable. And um, so I think, and they all, I think that what I did when they were small children really has paid off because they're empowered, but they also understand how important it is to empower the people they work with. So leaders today, the most important thing for them to realize is that if you don't empower the people around you, you don't have a really strong team. And in this clip, listen for when Alison McConnell encourages us to ask for what we want in our careers. She also talks about how we need to be willing to pivot and compromise in painting our own career portraits. I do think there are challenges that we all face, and that's what makes our journey ours. And getting past those challenges can actually be very rewarding and, and help set you on a new path. So I'll talk it, I'll talk about it more from the perspective of challenges. And I would say it, it was really in that early career um, trying to determine how to have the career I wanted to have and have a family. There weren't a lot of models for that in my world. You didn't see it that often. Um, I didn't even see it in my own family, but that's what I wanted. And it 
and figuring out how to make that happen in a positive way, in a way that wouldn't um, break me, <laughs> right? As a, as a mom, we tend to do everything. It's something I wanted, but I had to figure out um, how to make that happen. And I had to navigate that in my early career. And I do think there were some mistakes I made early on. I had that confidence in so many other spaces in my life, but when it came to work and having children, it really spooked me a little bit and perhaps made me a little less professionally confident. And what I, I ended up leaving advertising, which I loved, because I was so convinced in my own mind that it just wasn't going to work for me. And I didn't take the time to actually go to people and say, hey, can this work for me? Or this is what I need to make this work for me. So I left and I went um, client side and really didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I, it really wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do what I was doing, but I didn't feel like it was going to work out. And when I did finally get up the courage to ask for what I wanted, I found that the people that I had been working with were more than happy to give me what I wanted. And then I came back and it all worked out great, but it, it really took me that, that shift to figure that out. And also having a great boss at that time who I had left and I told him why I was leaving, but he was the one that kept calling and saying, hey, you should come back. We're your family, you belong here, and just tell us what you need. And then I thought, well, why am I not telling people what I need? Mm -hmm. That's easy enough to do. And once I did that, and everyone said, that's not so hard. We value you, and those things aren't so difficult for us to give you. Uh, and then, you know, from then on, I just realized, one, that I had to ask for what I had to know and ask for what I needed. And two, I had to provide that space for people coming up mm -hmm. um, under me, right? People that reported into me or even in my own organization that I could help share that advice and model that early on so that um, particularly new moms, that was my experience, knew, know that they can really um, they can really ask for what they want and, and they just might get it. So what are some of those obstacles and pitfalls that our listeners could avoid who are struggling with that work-life integration today? I think the most important thing is to understand what you need and everyone has different needs. It depends on their family makeup. It depends on the kind of support network they have around them. And so I, my needs may have been very different, maybe very different from someone else's needs. So I think the first thing is really understanding those needs because you have to know what you're asking for and you have to know why you're asking for it. So I believe that one of the pitfalls was not trusting that people were there to actually help, help me be successful, that I had gotten something in my head and I just went with it rather than taking a moment and having enough courage to go in and say, so here's what I'm struggling with. And do you see a way out of it? This is one idea that I have. Have you seen other successful models and how can we make that work? And I, and I do think you need to um, really think about what you want and be brave enough to ask for what you want and then be willing to compromise because 
another thing I've seen, you, you can't just say this, it's got to be just this. There, You always have to make trade-offs. I had to get comfortable. You know, I, I, When I had children, I did not have my family living anywhere near me. And my husband works full-time and I work full-time. And we had to decide how we were going to tackle that and and be the parents we want to be. Mm-hmm. And we did we did figure it out, but it was a lot of discussion and a lot of um, compromise because you do have to recognize maybe some, either you have to send your children to daycare or you have to have someone coming in to help you on a regular basis that's not you. And the way I framed that in my own mind was, um, well, now there's just one more person that loves my child. So they get to have the best of me because when I'm here, I'm so happy because I got to do my job and that now I get to do this job as a mom. And and during the day, perhaps there was someone else that was there for a few hours with them that really loved them too. And aren't they fortunate to get the benefit of yet another person in their lives giving them love? And if you frame it the right way, I think you can manage it you can under you know you can accept it you mm-hmm. can accept the path you're taking because i i knew like trying to work with the child on your lap that's just not you know that's that doesn't really work it it makes you stressed it doesn't really give you what you need so you do have to figure out how it's all going to work out Thank you for tuning in to season two, Best Of, and for listening to Theodora Speaks. You have a lot of podcasts to choose from, and I'm elated and grateful that you're here. So special shout out to you for listening and to New Voice Studios for producing Theodora Speaks. I'll be back before the end of 2022 with season three. But until then, I encourage you to visit gailkeller.org and follow me on Instagram and social media like LinkedIn and Facebook for more information. And I invite you to be a part of my upcoming virtual book launch as I'm about to become a published author. The book I wrote is something I'm very excited to release into this world. It's called Full Steam Ahead, Triumphant Tales for Working Women to overcome adversity, fear, and self-doubt. Full Steam Ahead illuminates the common issues women face in the workplace, such as lack of confidence, the competition from fellow colleagues, workplace bullying, sexual harassment, and mental health issues. I invite you to follow these five professional women recognized as Theodores who are intelligent, strong, and successful as they face their own challenges with their careers in STEAM and learn how each woman examines her own self-beliefs, actions, weaknesses, and strengths to determine the greatest path to empower herself is to address her own challenges. Visit gailkeller.org for more information about my upcoming virtual book launch. I'd love to see you that evening when the book launches. But until then, thank you and stay courageous. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.